also just that feeling of your your comfort zone expanding to like fit more places and more experiences into it and like you just feel like braver and bolder and like the world is yours kind of feeling. You're listening to the voice of Travis King and a snippet of one of the best conversations I've ever had. It's a real pleasure to be sharing this with you. Travis has an invigorating energy and uh, full disclaimer, it's quite contagious. This is the last episode of the Chateau series. So we recorded three episodes in Burgundy this October. If you want to hear more, you can listen to Jess and Will's interviews um, on the website. So Travis and I are sitting on the floor of one of the oldest libraries we've been in, drinking coffee and uh, chatting about what it's like to be living your dream life. Travel and adventure have always been a huge part of Travis' life. He lived in the Caribbean, worked as a kayak guide in Alaska, worked at the world's largest dragon fruit farm in Hawaii, lived in Australia, and then ended up joining Remote Year, a company allowing you to travel the world for a year, spending each month in a different city while working and living with 70 other professionals. Travis joined the company when it had only seven employees. Now they're more than 150. And it's quite crazy. He was flown to Copenhagen for an interview right before a full moon party, as one does. And then um, he was sent to Japan for his training. Since then, he has been living quite a dream life as Remote Year's Manager of Community Development. So he takes care of all things community dynamics and make sure that people are having the best possible experience. It was a true joy to record this. I really hope you like it as well. I'm Victoria Stianova and this is The Work We Do, a podcast about people redefining the meaning and purpose of work. Um, are you comfy? I am. I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to work on this posture, so oh. <laughs> I'm just going to go with it. Just working with it. Okay. Get those hip openers, you know. <laughs> um, I always start people by asking what their current state of mind is. Hmm. And I was wondering what yours was. My current state of mind, like right right now. Yeah. This, this exact moment. Um, like a bit tired from this crazy weekend um but yeah i'm excited to go back into a place that i feel very at home at because i've been like running around for three weeks but in like a day from now i'll be back in croatia in like a very familiar workspace and like Mm -hmm. setting and stuff so it's nice to have like a balance of routine places that feel kind of routine and like familiar and then a whole bunch of exploring on, on the other half of the months so i'm excited for the routine part to come back in Okay, and how did you how did you end up in Croatia? Um, through the co- the company I work for. From, okay. Because remote year, we kind of doubled down there and built our own workspace and split. So it's become like a home base for the company and then for myself specifically because we start a lot of our programs there. And oh, I didn't know you had a base now. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's something we're trying to. After we did like our first round of investment. Um, like our Series A, and we raised a good amount of capital. Then that became like a kind of 
obvious way to use it wisely and just try to actually like invest in like permanent infrastructure in certain cities that we really like. Okay. So yeah, building like our own massive cool workspace. Cities like are they strategic in terms of where that's at or where you? Where we're gonna where we're starting to build? Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean that that just kind of comes down to. Where it's sunny and lovely yeah. and great quality of life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like places that you can like have a program running like almost 12 months out of the year versus a place that's like really seasonal or, you know, different little things like that. How the real estate situation works, how hard it is to pull it off. So we just built another, our second permanent space in Lisbon. Yeah. And we just incorporated in Malaysia. So there's like, you know... It's kind of like one at a time, like because they're all individually like a big project to try to pull that off. And like in Malaysia, it was like a lot of work for a little team of people yeah. to get legally incorporated there as like a business. And do you feel like you have the best job in the world? I do, but I have this <laughs> weird reaction. Every time we meet people from remote here, I, I just have the sense of, oh my God, you guys are so free to go anywhere and you yeah. help people really open up to the world mm -hmm. and see different locations and try stuff for themselves. So you're really facilitating um, not only adventure, but also people finding themselves yeah. in many ways. So it's so special. Yeah. And that's like the fulfilling side of it, right? Like you might have like, you know, tough or hectic times and like moments where like you don't necessarily see that big picture of you. But then like at the end of like the year that I led for my group, like having, you know, ha knowing that like for those 50 some people, it was like, a game-changing year in their life, probably yeah. the best year of their life, and they have like a whole different perspective on like the world and their place in the world is just something that like, yeah. So it's, like for me, a perfect kind of like job is something that blends, like you actually really enjoy doing it, but it also has a element of like being fulfilling and feeling like you like have, serve a purpose for people or for the yeah. world. And yeah, so the it's, mission it's, is definitely a big one. Yeah, so it involves, it's a, it's a good blend of both those things. So like there's times where I'm just like, you know, at a club, like dancing, and it's like, this is kind of my job. Like, <laughs> like these are all my people, this is like, I'm you know, out here like doing this, or like, you know, on like a crazy side trip doing some sort of exploring, and it's like, ah, oh, it's cool, this is my job. But there's also times where it's like, yeah, you have, you know, tough like breakthrough moments with people, because they're like, it, you know, it's uncomfortable at times for people to take that sort of step and go be like a world traveler for a year. Yeah. Are most people, um, people who would come from a more stable job and like have followed maybe a trajectory that people expect them to and then one day they say actually no that's not what I want for myself I want something different where can I go and try it yeah I would say that's a f yeah I'd say that's a good amount of people that, that join on with remote year there's obviously some people who are like kind of just like career digital nomads and they've yeah. been maybe doing it on their own for three years and what they realize is that they they're sort of off. missing that community side of things yeah. um, then there's some people who like found themselves with the freedom of like work location independence and you know have only ever like le lived in, in the states and never really even traveled abroad and then found us and been like okay this is like my vehicle to go see the world because it's they know it's like going to be organized well and they'll do it in a big community of people so any mm -hmm. sort of like maybe fear or or worry that there might be with like international travel it's just is taken away um so right now the motto is uh, yeah, with a group of 70 people. 50 to 70. 50 to 70, yeah. you go to 12 different locations in yes. the year. Yeah, and yeah, we're thinking about rolling out smaller programs, so like there's there's room for growth within like our model even of, we're just trying to make the platform more accessible to as many people as possible, so. Okay. What would that look like, like you can join into one city or? No, I think it would still be, so that that's kind of what it looks like for people that 
finish remote year, so that we call those citizens, or like it's uh -huh. essentially our alumni program. Um, citizens of citizens. remote year? That's yeah, yeah. so cool. It's like it, you're now a citizen of the world. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we call, yeah, like we call like all of the co communities together remote nations. We have like some funny, I think, like we've done well with like the way we think and, and say things um, inside of our little universe. But wait, tell me more about that. The remote nation? Yeah, just all the different words. I find it's really powerful. Yeah, there's a ton of jargon, you know, like, because it's like we're our own little sort of ecosystem. So, like, words that people use and the way that we call, like, the things we call stuff just, like, sticks. We and use the term tribe a lot. Like, that's kind of, like, yeah. a good term for, like, like, a family, but, like, you know, that's, like, nomadic. So, like, we're, like, a, every, every community also, like, uses that word a lot. And is that words that you happen to initiate or the community itself picks them or some or, or they're you know like once they have gotten established and they just become part of like the remote year lexicon of like these are just words we use yeah i love that yeah i think it, it makes it really special because you end up being with a group of people that really get it yeah because you're like speaking you your shared, own language yeah, at some point it's really special i had one word that um I kind of brought in that's level three fun. It's like a term that we use for like those travel stories. So I'll go through all the levels. Level one is like the fun you know you're gonna have. So like say, you're, you know, you're gonna have friends over and like eat pizza. Like you know that the pizza is gonna taste good. That's nice. Level two fun and like watching movies. So it's like, you know, those things are gonna be nice. Level two fun is like the things you can never plan for. So say like the guy that delivers your pizza is like a friend of yours from like middle school that you haven't seen in 20 years. And you're like, holy shit, like come join us for the movie. And you like quit, you know, and you have this like amazing serendipitous sort of experience of like something you couldn't have planned. That's level two. Level three is when everything goes to shit and like it like goes terribly wrong. And those end up being like the best travel stories, you know, of everybody's yeah. life, right? Like all the, like if you asked a room full of people, what's your best story from like all your travels? It's almost like to a person, they'll be the stories like, oh, and like the tuk-tuk broke down in the middle of the night and we had to like walk 10 miles and like da da da. It's like always those times when the level of three fun, like not how you would plan it, not how you would want it to go. But then like when you get through it and you like, you know, survive the experience the next morning, you have like the best story of your life. Those are, yeah, level three fun moments. And I think it's just fun to put vocabulary to that stuff so that like when it's happening, you're not like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. You're just kind of like, this is level three fun. And like, I'm, I'm making a good story right now, even though like, yeah, like I broke my leg and I, you know, I, whatever, like the paragliding parachute yeah. didn't work or whatever. But I guess it's also accepting for a lot of people that might be a little bit more uncomfortable with the concept of going in the unknown yeah. uh, for a year. It's just accept that things are not always going to go according to plan and that's yes. okay. And yes. that's, have the fun. Exactly, yeah. To get so. that, yeah, that attitude of just like embrace the ups and downs and like the moments that like you can't have full control over what's about to happen or, you know, that's not how you would have planned it. Yeah. I think that's also a really good lesson in, you know, entrepreneurship and if I guess most of these people are freelancing in some way. Yeah, or like half of them probably, yeah. And the others are what, working remotely? Yeah, the others just like got you know an agreement from their employer that like it was okay for them to go work all over the Bye world. Bye, everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's cool. I mean, I, I, if and for a lot of people, they still produce the exact same, if not better, quality of work because they're, you know, we like to think that maybe the environment and like that stimulation of just traveling around the world will inspire you in a new way, and you'll like um, maybe even do better things or like different things or yeah. new things that you ever thought of. I think that you of. just take much more ownership of. You're, because because you're responsible for your time and yeah. how you spend it and everything that touches your work or your 
free time, yeah. you just become super accountable to, okay, this is how I want to do things, that's what's important. So then I think, I think you're a better yeah. like, employee or coworker because you're just more dedicated. When you do it, you're really... Yeah, and like you think it helps people figure out like time management better because like all the hours of the day are precious if you you know live in a brand new interesting city for a month you know like each one of those days is like a precious like gift yeah and you also have like work projects and things you're trying to get done so it's like the times you're not working you usually use well the times you are working you're like you're really like focused in and like and do you away. help guys facilitate that a little bit a little bit so we have because yeah. it's hard right to, to find your your balance when you're traveling and working like for me it took me six months to understand yeah. that you can't do it all. It's okay to rest. It's good to uh, eat vegetables. To... <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. sometimes exercise. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah, no, it's totally true. Like, the first month, I think, on remote year, most people at some point have a moment where, like, why don't I feel great? And it's like, oh, I've gone out every night for two weeks and I haven't exercised yet. It's like, yeah, you yes. probably, probably just <laughs> spend a night in and, like, maybe eat a salad and you'll feel a lot better. Um, but, like, yeah, there's, like, a... You, there's like an energy around a group of 60 people coming together and those first few weeks mm -hmm. are super like gotta meet everybody gotta like make sure everybody knows who I am and that I'm interesting so that's like a big part of what I why I go um to help with like the orientation in that first weekend that they're all together like the orientation yeah, weekend tell me a lot. more about that how your role has evolved and what you're doing now yeah my title that I got to kind of make up for myself is um manager of community development so I like Kind of Can just, I five you for that? It just sounds great. Thanks. Yeah, I thought, I thought that. And it took a few different like turns and twists, but then it, it landed there. And like, yeah, I think it's a good title. Um, and it is like, yeah, it's a kind of like the niche that I've carved out for myself inside of Remote Europe, just being like, kind of like the community dynamics and community vibe guy, like trying to figure out how to, you know, how to make it just the best part of people's experience. Um, I don't think people necessarily sign up for a Remote Year like solely for the community piece. Like, I think it's. A lot of people sign up because they're like imagining themselves living in these 12 cities and like, you know, all the Instagrams and adventures that come with that. But I think people stay through to the end um, for the community side because a few months in, it's like you look around in a room of 50 people that you didn't know three months ago and they're, they're, they feel like family. And it's like, yeah. you're not going to leave those people. That's, that's like, you know, that's a really rare thing to have. And I think it's something that's even harder like now in history than, than it was at other points in history of... We're all like, you know, very much in our screens and like walking past each other on the streets without much connection. And there's like, you know, I've heard this from a lot of the people here this weekend that in the UK, it's like very much culturally, like, don't bother the people around you. Oh, yeah. Like, stay in your own. Like, if, if somebody's like, hey, who are you? They'd be like, why do you not have any why friends? Like, why would you talk to me? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so it's hard to make like, you know, new, new, really meaningful connections, I think, in the world these days or harder than I think it should be, obviously. And, um, so remote, yeah, it provides like a really cool vehicle for that. Like if you do a year's worth of traveling and adventure with people, at the end of that year, like you're just family. Like you, yeah. you know every little thing about the other people in the group and you've seen everybody at their best and their worst mm. moments and like have these massive successes and have these, you know, probably crying sessions of like something not going well or, and yeah, it brings people together. So that orientation, that's like part of kind of what I'm trying to convey is like get ready for that for one, like you're going to, this will turn into like a family at the end of this. And I know you can look around the room and not know each other now. One thing that I'm lucky that I get to point out is two people in my group just got married actually, oh like God. two months ago. Yeah, That's so like, exciting. I was like, they were in a room like this at orientation, didn't know each other from like, 
you know, me and you are like, it was just brand new, brand new that they just met at remote year. And yeah, they just got married a month ago. So like I dropped that little like thing and people were like, oh, like start looking around the room like, ooh, who might I marry? Um, so yeah, there's, yeah. So you provide them this framework in the beginning just so that they are psychologically ready for exactly. what's coming yeah. and just embrace it better, I guess. Yeah, and that, and like, you know, there's like phases of group development, which is like the beginning is obviously like the honeymoon phase or like mm -hmm. the forming phase where like everybody's just so excited to like be on this new adventure and to meet all these cool people. But um, the second phase is called storming. So like yeah. we call it the dip. That's kind of how we refer to it. And like it's usually just everybody at some point. It's like the beginning of the real world when they're like, well, people get together and like stop being nice and start being real. Like because at some point, like in the beginning, you're just trying to make, you know. Yeah, you have your best. Yeah, you the best, yeah, yeah like, you want people to lovely, like you and make a good impression. People, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Three months in, you're like, stop talking to me. I'm not yeah. a boring person. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Or and like people also just get like you know internally like, did I make the right decision? Like, what am I doing here? Like, yeah. are these my people? Like, where's what? How do I fit into this community? And like, you know, it's really just natural to start to question some things about what's going on. Um, some groups have like actually kind of somehow bypassed the dip a little bit, but I think most of the you know most groups have a point where everybody's sort of around the same time that those feelings start to line up and the collective energy is like a little bit like weird or like tingly like yeah. off um but then generally like people kind of come to some of those conclusions on their own or answers on their own and then the vibe starts to like norm like yeah. community norms just get established that people are like okay like this is how we work well together as a mm -hmm. big community and then yeah you end up like at the perform which is like the the last phase um where at that point, like, I remember feeling like my community had that in like month seven or eight, where like, there's just like, you know, universal and like, just like tons of like love and respect for everybody in the room and it didn't like matter who was gonna be at what. Like, I remember in the beginning of the year, if I hosted an event, say it was like, you know, canoeing or something or kayaking, people would be like, who signed up? And I'd be like, oh, I don't know, like these people, like, but like also just don't care, like just come. And at the end of the year, if I was like doing an event, nobody would ask like who signed up it was like it didn't matter That's it was like really we're all just you family just yeah everyone. yeah in the beginning do people know who else is going or oh. is it and do you screen people in any way because i know when you first started you had an insane amount of applications i met one of your colleagues in london once oh cool and she said oh yeah we had like three thousand people apply yeah so how do you screen people how do you well, i don't know if screening is the best word how yeah, do you like, create the group yeah, the application process and stuff. So, I mean, we're trying to be more and more intentional about, like, um, our demographics and, like, the, you know, diversity of our programs because we really hope that they're, like, super inspiring and multicultural and, like, diverse communities. So, like, from, you know, backgrounds and different professional fields and stuff. So we try to create, like, a really cool blend of people that will, like, hopefully get on well but also, like, inspire each other in those yeah. ways because they're, like, coming from all these different perspectives. We're still like heavier American, I think, than we would want to be in the long run. But we, you know, we're launched as an American startup, and the two founders are both American, so it like it's kind of natural that, yeah. and like people pay the monthly fee in like USD, it's two thousand US dollars a month. So it's so like you also have to come from like a place where the economy is strong enough to, to support that. Yeah, of if your job yeah. is you know gonna allow you to do that, that's a big piece too. Obviously, it's just like we want to make sure people will have success doing the mm -hmm. program. So you kind of have to show or like, you know, prove that you will have the income that will allow you to stay on remote year, which is, I think right now we say $35,000 a year, 
like if you can kind of you know show that you can make er that that's like your normal earnings then that's like a good ballpark figure to be hitting mm -hmm. to make sure that you'll probably make it through the whole year because we don't want people to you know come for three months and then have to leave for financial reasons we, we want people that that come to do it to finish the year have that family experience have that like life-changing year um yeah of course and then be alumni be part of the community forever and what about age group have you are you Restricting that in any way, like if someone is sixty-five, can they come I mean, on like year? High school education, I think. <laughs> I think like I don't think we've ever go younger than eighteen. Yeah. I don't even know. Like I think the youngest we've had so far is like twenty-three. Okay. Um, and but we've definitely had like seventy. Um, oh really? Yeah. In our second That's group, so we had. Cool. Yeah, it's a cool story actually. In our second group, I'm blanking on her name right now because I, I led the third group. The second group, I just kind of knew a lot of them, uh -huh. and I met them early on in the year. But she. Yeah, it was amazing. She did like a lot of the service work that her community, she helped like organize a lot of that in Batuta. That was the name of the second group. And then like partway into the year, her like daughter had something change in her career. And we don't normally ever let people join communities partway in. It's like once the community's established and like just whoever can, you know, whoever is there for the whole year is together. Yeah. But in that situation, she kind of pitched the idea to the community that like her daughter wanted to join her and oh like finish the God, year. Oh my God, this is so cool. Yeah, so of course the whole community was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> and so, so like the daughter, the daughter joined like midway into the year. And I think the daughter was like, you know, like my age, like in her like 30s. Um, mm -hmm. So then like her and her mom like finished the year together. Um, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, really, really cute story. And then once you onboard the community, do you move with them uh, to every city or do you then go and prep for the next one? Like what's, me, your, what's your time like? So there's like? program leaders that are like the kind of like the backbone of the community, right? Like they're the full time, they're there for the full year to make sure that things are going well for the community, like that the dynamic's good, that the, that the vibe is good, that there's like people are being pushed in the right way of like living in their, you know, growth zone. And... They travel month month okay. by month to every city with the with the communities. I um, just am there for orientations for new groups, yeah. which is kind of why I was saying like more than anybody else, my home base is split because we've launched a lot of groups in Croatia in the last like year. Um, but then the second half of every month, so I, I'm usually there for like two weeks to meet the new groups, so, like mm -hmm. try to make sure they all feel good and settled and like ready for this adventure. And then the second half of the month. I have like a lot more autonomy this year with my travel schedule, so I can come like be at the Chateau Welcome Party this weekend or like whatever uh, um, whatever else is coming up. That's so cool. Um, and what does the rest of the year team look like? I have no idea. I suppose there's someone who runs ops who... Yeah, there's, so there's like a big operations side of things that's like, you know, there's regional directors, like the director of like operations in like Asia and South America and Who'd Europe. Who'd find all the partnerships and that would be... Yeah, okay. all the accommodations. Cause obviously a big piece of it is like the, just we have to get like unique, nice apartments and um, you know, for 60 people in 12 cities around the world. So like that, that just so crazy in itself, it. yeah, it's like a ton of work. It's like, a ton of, and it's a ton of operations and logistics. We also do like door to door airport um, situations. So it's like, when you're flying from one country to the next, like having all that really smoothly ironed out of like there's vans there, you know, usually like colored labels, like you're in the red van, like go there and then they have a little drop off sheet for all the apartments around the city. And yeah, logistically it's not like simple, but we've obviously we're, we just launched our 16th, we just launched our 17th program today. So yeah, so we're like, Always learning, always getting better, but I think we've so got that part pretty well. Multiple programs running at the same time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I don't know yeah. why I just imagined this 
one group, no, 17 yeah, yeah. people forever. No, they're more to four well, A lot of people thought about it like, like there'd be like one for a year and then one for a year. Yeah, exactly. And like, so like as soon as one ends, then you'd start the You'd next like, one. That's not a very good business model. Guys. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so we started launching like one almost every month this year. That was kind of our pace. And then I think the idea for next year is like to just try to be more aggressive, even like, you know, when you believe in an idea and you like want as many people in the world to have access to the idea and to the platform as possible, then for us, it's just trying to build the scale and like make sure that if, you know, if 120 people want to do it every yeah. month, then we can launch two programs every month versus just one. So that's so cool. Yeah. And, and how many people support the whole program? Like how many employees like, do we have? Yeah, how, yeah, how many um, employees do you guys have? So we had a big like employment boom, I, I would say, over the last year because we started really doubling down on our like local teams and our local mm -hmm. staff. So every city that we go to, we have at least two, usually three um, like local staff members that'll be like the operations director, experience um, lead, or the city director. And so then, yeah, so hiring like groups of like two or three amazing people that are like local to the area in every city we go to, that really expanded our staff. So I'd say now we're like at 140, okay. 100, maybe 150. I, you know, it's like once or twice a week, I get like another email that's like, welcome this new staff member. And I'm like, woo! Because <laughs> especially if we're like, you know, that's like not only local teams, but also like when we decided to go back to Kyoto, we had to hire like a whole new team in Japan. So it's like, okay, like now these are all our Japanese staff members. And it's like, are these cool people I'm really excited to meet? I'll be back there in December, so. That's um, so cool. So you can pretty much go anywhere in the world and you have this amazing people that are part of your team somewhere. It's so Yeah, fun. that's a really, like, you know, back to like when you're like, do you have a dream job? That's one of the parts of it for me that makes it feel very dreamy. Like I have like oh, really yeah. legit friends and colleagues in, in tons of cool cities around the world, which is such a nice thing that like, you know, that will outlet, out, probably outlive my remote year career. Like however long I'm with remote year, like those people will be friends and like colleagues and like people yeah. that I love for life. So it's cool. And how do you guys keep track of all your travels? Do you have like a crazy I don't. shared Google Doc? Oh, like for, for <laughs> myself? I don't. I'm not really like a country counter. People ask me all the time like, how many countries you've been to. I'm like, I don't know, like 50-ish or something like that. But um, Loads. Loads, yeah. I'm not, like, I'm not like out here trying to like just tick boxes and like, you know, count my countries. So I, I don't really like keep track of anything in that sense. Um, for, you mean for like the company as a whole? It's like... Yeah, I mean, how, team, how do right? you know that... So... For example, now we're close to Lyon. Imagine going to Paris afterwards. How do you know if you have colleagues that are currently traveling through Paris? So, because we basically, well, that's, I mean, that's a good question. We have, so there's a whole group of staff in remote. You're called floaters. That's like where I fall into too. We're, we're, we're not like, I be floater. So, yeah, it's a, good, it's a good little, like, <laughs> so it's like you're just flowing through life and doing work <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> yeah, so, and we're like the kind of, you know, the ones with the most autonomy um, that, like, we have to be places at times, certainly, but like, say like our finance team, they're like running all this, like super obviously critical part of the company to like make sure our finances make sense, their budgets are being like staying within budget and planning for future budgets and all, all that stuff. And also just processing how we show for all of the hundreds of receipts that every program leader is like accumulating by like buying a bag of bagels for breakfast one morning or like whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's a huge, it's a huge thing, but like those finance people, they really embody that whole idea of remote work. Like they don't have to be anywhere to do their jobs. They're just working inside of this um, partner that we have called Abacus with their like the, you know, the finance sort of like framework we use. So they are like floaters and they can literally be wherever they want. And we have like a shared spreadsheet that all the floaters use of like just every week, like you're supposed to just like do the drop down of like which city you might be in. Okay. Um, uh, I love remote year for what it stands for. I think, um, 
it's really proving that there are new ways of working and that you can have the life that you want. You yeah. just need to find your people and go do it that way. I think it's really powerful because um, for a long time it's been a small group of people that have a different lifestyle and everyone else is wondering, how did you make it work? Yeah. How can I be part of this? Yeah. And I think it's a very cool thing to democratize in a way where people still feel safe and supported mm -hmm. and you hold their hand a little bit. Yeah. But you are, like everyone who goes through the program is then an advocate of there's a whole new way of yeah. doing work and you can do it too. Yeah. I love that. And there's like, you know, there's also, yeah, there's always a time in the year where people start to really feel themselves as a traveler, which is something we also just like, what a you know, gift that I think we end up giving a lot of people to be like, the world is mine, I can go do whatever I want. But then we also, you know, that can cause people partway through the year to like decide that maybe they don't want to stay. Because obviously we're not like keeping anybody captive, like you can do whatever you want. No, you can't leave. <laughs> but like my, yeah, at that point, if it ever comes to that point with somebody where they're like, you know, they start to feel a little bit of their own like swagger when it comes to like traveling and I, you know, I got this kind of thing. And maybe they don't like, I feel like they need the support that like the handholding that you just mentioned, like that remote year might give you a bit in terms of organizing stuff for you. But like my thing at that point is always to be like, you can continue to travel for like the rest of your life if you want. You cannot continue to be a part of this community for outside of this one year. This is a, this is a closed experience of like, this will end. So make, make your decision based on that. Like if you think you really just need to go like do your own traveling now and start now, like good luck to you. But yeah. if you think about it in that, case of like in five months from now or whatever you're going to be in that situation where you can go travel on your own for potentially for forever mm -hmm. but like these next five months you can either like go yeah go sit down and do it on your own or like continue to like see what this family provides for you and like live this experience once and then you know you will have this group of people that will support you and love you of and be course. a part of your you know international family for forever so i think when people think about it in that way they're usually like uh okay yeah, i'll stay yeah it's like it's actually yeah this is a once in a lifetime kind of thing so i'll stay um yeah. And Travis, how did you get into this? What's, what's your story? How did you end up? Good question. Um, it's a kind of long, secretive story. My, I mean, like I used to literally get emails from my dad that would be like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'd be like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure it out. I'm traveling around. Um, but yeah, so I'm, in my 20s, I was, the only thing I really knew I was good at coming out of like youth and like my undergrad days was working at the summer camp. So like hanging out with kids, like doing like programming, like group leading, making like people happy essentially and like having fun. Um, so then, yeah, in my 20s, I just started doing other youth related jobs, like running after school programs for kids at like neighborhood centers. I ended up doing AmeriCorps twice. I did like a stint in New Orleans running a group home for a bunch of kids. Okay. So then I was like very much like nonprofit sector guy and yeah. I went back to school for that so I did a master's in nonprofit management and I finished that when I was 28 and I saw like this like window open up for me sort of like in the world of like my you know I just got a new degree I also had a job that was associated with the grad program so like that finished with that the lease on my house ran up I didn't have a pet I didn't have a girlfriend I was like if the world is ever like this is your time like you have <laughs> you have no ties to anything like get the hell out of here I just like felt, you know, that I could see the window opening and I just went for it. And I really, at that point too, was like, okay, I'm gonna go to South America. And I just started telling people that. And it was like, you know, I, I still very much remember that feeling of like when travel isn't that comfortable. I mean, I've, I've been traveling for like six years now, but I still remember back then of just being like, just be brave, dude. Just like put your backpack on and like fucking go to the airport and go fly somewhere. <laughs> like you gotta do this. So yeah, I just ended up in South America for 
like five or six months and you know I still remember walking up to a lady the first day and like trying to say like I need water like <laughs> like, like necesito agua and I was like saying in my head like yo quiero agua and like I walked up to her and then just like turned around and walked away and was like oh like I'm so like scared like, I'm just, like don't know what I'm doing out here or like how to speak Spanish with like any level of confidence um but anyway like that turned into like the greatest trip of my life like the six months or the five-ish months five and a half months I think that I was there we like formed this travel family I met this Irish guy named Brian and then like him and I met some other people like we just ended up being like seven or eight people for like that whole time that like traveled together and formed a really close family and I just really fell in love with like the world and the adventure and you know every new little place in town and thing I learned and it, it just was like it just had me like fully charged of just like the world is crazy and magical and amazing and like I need to see more of it um so yeah and it was like yeah and then also just that feeling of your your comfort zone expanding to like fit more places and more experiences into it and like you just feel like braver and bolder and like the world is yours kind of feeling was like I think really addicting I think to be honest I'm still addicted to that um and then yeah so then essentially that that's kind of what set me out on the road traveling and then since then I've just been trying to figure out how to keep the adventure alive so I've like you know went and did my dive master in the Caribbean I worked in Alaska for a summer as a kayak guide I moved to Hawaii and worked on the world's largest organic dragon fruit farm, <laughs> which is a cool little chapter. I then had a girlfriend there and ended up going to Australia and stayed there for like a year and a half. I overstayed because um, I ended up with three of the coolest jobs ever in Byron Bay, Australia. And I was like working as a kayak guide again, but like a different version because we were going out to find dolphins. And um, then, yeah, I overstayed my, my visa or I basically worked on a, on a tourist visa after having done a year work visa. So when they found that out, I got the boot and I was like, just like kind of sent back to Asia. And then I spent like a year in Asia, just like kind of volunteering and traveling back and forth. Um, and that, that's kind of when I was like, I need to figure out what I'm doing, like what, mm. where this is all leading me. Like I was doing a bunch of stuff that made me super happy, but I didn't quite see like a clear like trajectory or like direction that my life was headed because I was kind of not at any more involved in so, so much of the nonprofit stuff. Um, I was just really like doing a lot of traveling and group leading. And then, yeah, when I, like remote year was just like hitting up my newsfeed on Facebook basically. Uh -huh. Just being like, we're remote year, do you want to come join us and apply and whatever. And these are like the very early days for them, but they, they were really good at marketing. One of, the, one of the founders was always really good at like... Oh yeah, I remember when it launched, it was all over my Facebook yeah. and my Instagram. And I was like, oh, I like these guys. I don't know them, but I really like them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my actually first reaction to reading about remote year was like, shit, like why didn't I think of that? Like it was just like <laughs> such a good idea. I was like, duh, it's like such a good idea. Um, like, and then it was kind of like, well, if you can't beat them, like join them, I guess. So like, I remember feeling that way and then just being like, maybe I'll like, and then, yeah, it's something with a girlfriend in Australia, like where we were trying long distance and then when I realized that just wasn't going to work out, I was like, I need to figure out like a plan for my life, like coming up like next year, um, once I get back from Asia and yeah, I just started applying to like more like, then I really thought of myself as like a group leader and like that I, you know, had worked with kids as a group leader, I'd worked with adults as a group leader, like in all these like guiding roles. And then, yeah, when I saw remote, I kind of just emailed them. I was like, hey, I'm like really good at group stuff. Like, do you guys have like a person that leads the, your communities that you're building around the world? And I remember getting like a hand email, like a handwritten email back from this guy, Jesse, who actually still works, um, but like on the, enter on the enterprise side of things for remote year, meaning like big business partnerships, long-term stuff. Um, so totally different. But at this point, it was like a staff of like seven people. Yeah, yeah. So he emailed me back. He was like, hey, man, yeah, you sound really interesting. We, we do have a role called community manager. Um, that like you know helps lead like the programs around the world for a year, and we're looking for f a few new ones because we're going to start our second and third groups. 
this is back when there was just, yeah, like one community mm -hmm. and like one really small group of staff trying to make this dream happen. And yeah, after like a series of five or six interviews, I met like, like Skype interviews, they flew me out because I was in Asia and they were in Kofan Yang for their month like seven or something or six. And they flew me over to Kofan Yang for like the weekend just to meet everybody and like catch the vibe and see if I was going to maybe be a good match. And it happened to be a full moon party weekend too. So like I get there and I'm like talking to some of the staff and they're like, oh yeah, by the way, it's a full moon party night. So like, get ready. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, what is that? Like, how do I do this well as like part of a job interview? Um, so I was like, party, like show that you're fun, but like, don't be too fun. Like, don't like drink the mushroom shake. Like, just like chill out, like find the middle. Um, so anyway, yeah, I like tried my best to do that. And I think I did, I think I did pretty well. I remember like just being like, run away at like one in the morning. I just like, I'm going to just escape from like the party vibe and just try to, you know, spend the rest of the night by myself or whatever. And yeah, then I found out shortly after that I was in. So, and then they, yeah, flew out to Japan to start like my training and stuff right after the new year which was like, yeah, almost now coming up on two years ago. But Okay, that's so, so that's great. Yeah. Do you feel like it's, um, it's allowing you to still travel anywhere and have that yes. adventure life, but also know what your mission is? Yes, ex exactly. Like, it, you know, having like now just run through my whole little story, like it felt like so much validation and like vindication for like all these kind of like, you know, like a baby with a big head just like stumbling forward kind of feeling through the world like I'm just gonna do this and this and this now because like this is what feels like next or just like taking opportunities which I think is actually a really good way to spend chapters of your life just oh, yeah. to like not worry too much but just to do whatever's like there and just invest yourself fully in the next thing and just yeah, yeah and just yeah. go for it right and I was doing that for a long time but yeah literally getting those emails from my dad that were like Travis, you have a master's degree. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what's your five-year plan? What are you gonna do with your life? And you're like, I don't know, but I just like got paid to kayak with dolphins and I'm pretty happy, so like, leave me alone. <laughs> you know, like, I think I like it here, or like, I like my life, or whatever. Um, but then, yeah, so like, but he also obviously had a point in a way, and when I found, like, when all of those different random, like, steps happened, and I ended up with this role with Remote Ear, I felt like really like, oh, that was like, that was where this was all leading. And it yeah. felt like just a ton of like validation for all these crazy choices I'd made. But also that like, yeah, I had this background in group leading and I, it was like a way to use all that side and do something that was like, you know, for my resume again in a way. Not that that's why I made the choice, but it was like, oh, a real job that I can like put on my resume in the future, yeah. but also matches all this travel experience that I've gotten. But isn't that a great lesson when you know that when you're doing things because it feels right and you don't necessarily know why, yeah. eventually it, yeah. it leads to this thing that makes total sense because you don't need to convince anyone how you're yeah. a good fit or why this is logical because that's like, you know, you radiate that because that's all you know. Yeah. And I, I love that. I love yeah. that sometimes it's as simple as just following what feels right and then eventually stuff yeah. yeah, stuff will stuff will work out if you have like and I, like not to get all hippie, but I've more and more in my last like three or four years Yeah, just kind of really believe in a lot of the stuff of like Like the world will give you back what you give it and like mm -hmm. if you just are open to possibilities and like really curious and like Interested and like care for people and care and like, you know Do things with like integrity and in a good way that like that will come back to you and oh, yeah Just yeah sort of some of that energy stuff. I, I have actually found myself yeah, and I don't know if I believed it before, I just felt it, but then at some point I was like, yeah, that's totally what my life is like, actually, just assuming and like hoping for the best while giving off the best. Yeah. Um, um, I just want to end by asking you, what are three words that are present in your headspace right now? 
um, coffee, Croatia, Chateau. Three C's. Three Coffee, C's. Gracious chateaus. Thank yeah. you, Travis. This is so nice. Yeah, it's really nice to talk to you. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation. I really hope you enjoyed it. You can follow the travels and stories of Travis by following his Instagram at Travis King Travels. That makes sense. And you can also stay up to date with the podcast by following the work we do with an underscore. The work we do, underscore. Uh, That's all for me today. And in the next episode, we'll be hearing from Philip Mooring, who handles all things Europe at Angelist. Thank you.